Hello and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the podcast that is always a graveyard smash. I am your host, the wonderful and really pretty Chris Donovan, and this week is a special episode because I am once again joined by my dear friend and one of the titular hosts of the Kinky Ladies Book Club Podcast. I wrote titular in my out- outline without realizing the um, <clears throat> on t- double entendre that was, but um, we're just going to go with it. Hey, Nicole, how's it going? I'm... Fantastic. That's the best intro I have ever received. Um, yeah, I'm really glad you uh, you went with that. Um, yes. Hello, I am Nicole. I am one fourth of the Kinky Ladies Book Club podcast. Uh, this is my second appearance on the Professional Horror Podcast, and I am so psyched to be back. Yes, this is a this is going to be a really fun episode. I'm really looking forward to this because we're not talking about a movie today. Well, we're going to be talking about a lot of movies, but we're not ta- we're not reviewing a movie today. We're not doing a list. We're playing a game, a game that I came up with. This is our first installment. Well, technically third installment. I did like a beta version of this like five years ago with my buddy JB, and I recorded one version of this with our mutual friend Carrie, but Skype deleted the call before I could edit it and post it but you know what ebsy ebs this is the first proper presentation of the professional horror podcast's favorite game monster mashup Ooh. i don't see you might be asking yourselves hey chris what the hell is monster mashup well i'll tell you it is a game where nicole and i will be going head to head putting our creativities to the test and we were each tasked with finding two poorly received horror movies them that being either below 6.0 out of 10 on imdb or under 60 percent approval on rotten tomatoes and combine finding a way to combine these two films into a frankenstein's monster of a movie pitch we stress i, I do want to stress before we dig into it if anyone is listening to this think thinks we're bashing these movies i'm that's why i stress poorly received and not necessarily bad movies because i don't know about you nicole but one of the movies that i saw I actually really liked. That's why I'm choosing to use it. And the other one is kind of mad, but there's one element that I really like, and I think it deserves being a better movie, which is perfect for our purposes here. It's like poorly received just to me means there's something you could add to it, I think. There's something missing, maybe. I think one of the movies that I chose is absolute garbage. (laughs) (laughs) And the other movie is so bad, it's fun. Okay. I think that works. Yeah. And I, I actually, I do enjoy that one. I like, I was like, yeah. I was like, this is fun. I can yeah. watch this on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. Like I told you this uh, the other day, but like one of the movies I was going to pick was happy birthday to me because it fits mm-hmm. the parameters of the, uh, the ratings. But then I watched it and I was like, this is a masterpiece that cannot be improved. Like, forget how can I improve this movie? How can this movie improve us? Not just as writers <laughs> or horror people, as a society. What can we learn from this movie? So good. <laughs> you had also suspected uh, that I was going to choose Dead Heat as mm-hmm. well. And I think you're a crazy person because Dead Heat is a masterpiece that I wouldn't change anything about. Yeah. I love that movie <laughs> so much. It's so true. There's so many movies that qualify for this game, and I'm like, why would I touch that? That's a work of art. It's it's perfect the way it is. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> so in Monster Mashup, you take two movies and you combine them in some way. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of dealer's choice as to how you combine them. You can take like one movie's protagonist and put it into another film and talk about how that would change the film for the better. You could do a plot swap, a setting swap, or you could do a weave them together much more patchwork and much more in-depth if you want to go that way. It does not matter at all, so long as both films in the end are recognizable in, the, in your 
final pitch. A couple caveats I do have for the game is since they have to be recognizable, if you if you were to say, say, I am picking Shark Attack 2 just because I want to have sharks in this movie, that doesn't work because there's a lot of movies that have sharks in it, you know? You have to pick why you picked these movie sharks. In Shark Attack 2, there's mutated great white sharks. If you just said my movie also has sharks, then Shark Attack 2 is not getting its it's just desserts in the end, and that's not how this game is played, goddammit. And the last rule is uh, what I call the dream child rule, which is <clears throat> if you want to pick a movie from a franchise, if one of the installments of the franchise does not qualify for the game, i.e. the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but the movie you want to use, such as Nightmare 5, The Dream Child, then you cannot use the franchise element of your pitch. You can't use Freddy Krueger in your monster mashup pitch because we know Freddy Krueger is in really good movies. We know he works. But if you want to, say, pick The Dream Child and take the plot elements of an unborn baby's dreams affecting the lives of her mother and friends in the living in the waking world totally cool go nuts it'll be a blast i mean it's not dream child kind of sucks but i've never seen that one it's my it's my least favorite nightmare on Elm street two has yeah. some two's the typical least favorite and six but i think those are dumb fun nightmare five just kind of gross what's up i have a confession chris i the first time I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, mm-hmm. all the way through in one sitting was this Halloween. Oh, I love that. I had so never much. watched it front to back all mm-hmm. the way through before. I'd only ever watched it like in pieces. I get that. There are certain movies you've seen clips of or you've seen homaged enough that you're just like, I've seen the movie even though I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Once and- you see the bed eat Johnny Depp, you're like, that's the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's oh, great yeah no I, it was a fantastic halloween yeah. choice this year for me it's the nightmare franchise the three movies you, you need to see out of it are one three and seven the others are fine like i i will enjoy i will throw on four or six or two any day and have a fun time but one three in west craven's new nightmare those are the those are the good ones those are the top tier s tier nightmare movies before we dig into the actual pitch the, the actual pitches i want to ask you nicole how did you find the whole pitch crafting process because i found it to be really fun but like a definite challenge same second confession of the night i actually rewrote my pitch right before we started recording i had come up with something i wrote like a basic i can't even couldn't even call it a plot outline it was just mm-hmm. like an idea vomit on a page yeah and then i got out of work today i'm in the shower and i'm like no i have it I have it now. <laughs> so I got out of the shower, like hair in a towel, like type, 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 like right nice. before we started. Um, but yes, I found this very challenging mm-hmm. to the point where I had to take a step back and be like, it's for a fun podcast game. Chill the fuck out, loser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you don't have to go. You don't have to stress too much about it, but it's still, yeah. you know. Yeah, for me, I'm like, this feels like I phoned it in. But mm-hmm. I also feel like I might have gone overboard at the same time. <laughs> so I'm setting the bar <laughs> wherever <laughs> this is. The bar is set for yep. your future guests. For all future episodes. This is what's this yeah. is going to be the measuring stick episode. This is it. So I will go first with my pitch because I don't know, set the tempo. Oh, can we also add before we get started that this is not the first experience that you and I have ever had to like pitch movie ideas to each other. Yep. Chris and I met in film school like a decade ago. Um, so this, what we're about to do was our lives for four years. Yep. And we came up with some 
dumb shit. <laughs> it's so true. Can I tell you, one of the problems with this game is I was like, oh, if I combine these two movies, it'll give me something like this. And then I was like, no, Chris, that's an original idea you have. And you're just forcing two movies that already exist into that framework. Just write your own movie and leave these two alone. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to kick this shindig off with my pitch. I'm going to discuss each movie I've picked separately and discuss their pros and cons before digging into how I'm combining them into one flick and why that, why I am so smart and clever. So my first movie that I've selected is the 1983 film Mortuary, directed by Howard Avedis. It is a 5.2 out of 10 rating on IMDb and only has one Rotten Tomatoes review, but it's a negative review, so fully qualifies. I also feel the need to point out that the Rotten Tomatoes plot synopsis is inaccurate as fuck, but even their pitch is better than the movie in question. Their synopsis of what Mortuary is, is a girl and her boyfriend suspect her mother and an undertaker aren't bombing people too soon. It's not what the movie's about at all. The more correct synopsis is from IMDb, which is convinced that her father's death was not accidental. A beautiful girl decides to investigate it to find out the truth, aided by her boyfriend. Which is closer. Not quite 100% on the money, but it's close. So Mortuary is about a woman named Christy, whose dad was killed, but her mother is gaslighting her and saying it was an accident. And her boyfriend, named Greg, uh, discovers that her mother and the owner of a local mortuary are involved in a satanic cult together. But unlike the synopsis, she doesn't really investigate anything. She mostly just has boring romantic scenes with her boyfriend. And the satanic cult isn't even really a factor in the movie. Like, <clears throat> as an audience member, when the movie starts, you have Greg and his friend Josh... Josh was recently fired from the mortuary because he saw a satanic ritual. They go to the warehouse owned by the mortuary owner so that he can steal stuff from his boss to get back at him for firing him. They see a satanic ritual and they split up while Greg's like, oh, I want to look at the ritual. And Josh's like, all right, I'm going to go get the things I want to steal. When suddenly Josh is killed by a robed man using a trocar or trocker. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's a device used in embalming. You stab it into someone's abdomen and there's a hose you attach at the other end so that you can get all the bodily fluids out. It's essentially like a hose to get uh, blood and other fluids out of the organs of the body. And then we see Greg just sees his van being driven off. We don't know. He doesn't know that Josh is dead yet. But then when the sheriff finds his van and brings Greg in, he's like, why are you stupid around the warehouse? What's Where's your buddy Josh run off to? Greg, who says, points at the mortuary owner guy who's for some reason at the sheriff's office. And he's like, he was there doing ritual satanic stuff. And he's like, I've never done the cult ceremonies. What are you talking about? So when you combine the sheriff getting on Greg, the mortuary person denying his satanic involvements, and the mother gaslighting her daughter being like, don't worry about your father's totally accidental death. Hey, why don't I send you to a super special doctor across the country so you can get the help you really need? It comes off pretty obvious to me as an audience member that these murders are going to be satanic cult murderers. Sa I mean, satanic cult murders with the mom, the sheriff, and the mortuary dude all involved but like nah the cult has nothing to do with anything it's just there in the movie it's honestly probably the most real to, like true to life depiction of satanists ever put to film like they just put on robes and do seances because it's cool 
Well, like, <laughs> well, all like, the cool Satanists are doing it. Yeah, because, you know, hey, we're going to go and put on robes and wear long, flowy dresses and dance around in a circle, because that's cool. We're going to do Ouija board stuff, because that's fun. But, like, why would you include a Satanic cult in your horror movie if there's not, if not going to do anything? I don't know, Chris. How do you include a Satanic cult in oh, your I brand got new horror for you. movie? I don't. Uh <laughs> I'm just talking. Damn it. I'm just, I thought that's where this was going. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just using it to talk about what a disappointment this is and how one element of the film deserves to be in a better movie. Because it's a good thing it wasn't a satanic cult, though, because Christy does fuck all investigating. They look for Josh at the local roller rink, find out he's not there, and basically give up the search. And then Christy just has some, like, sleepwalking scenes, thinks she sees a robed man. Then they have some boring romance scenes including what might be the most awkward sex scene put to film. Like, they're both fully naked. They're both fully naked, Greg and Christy. She has her legs wrapped around him, but there's no um, thrusting action. They're just sitting there, like, naked together like that. So it's like, are you just making out naked, or are you guys just, like, is he just, like, sitting in her being like, yep, this is is sex? Like we ser- I seriously got an hour into this movie and was starting to panic because I was like, this movie has nothing jumping out to me. I don't know if I can use this in my pitch. And then who came in to save the day but Bill Paxton. What? My man. <laughs> Bill, Bill Paxton's in this Paxton, movie? Three years before playing Hudson and Aliens, the greatest character in my favorite movie ever he appears as the son of hank andrews the owner of the mortuary and it's he's like they're also their primary mortician even though he's like a high school student in this movie like it's a bit unclear he seemingly does all the work but then the dad will come in and be like ah you're doing it wrong you good for nothing i'll do it for a while in the movie paxton or paul as is his character's name is a total side character he's got a huge crush on christy even giving her a a flower in front of her boyfriend and wants to invite her over to listen to his new Mozart vinyl he just got. Whoa. Yeah, fancy. Uh, We know he works as a mortician even though he's in high school. Like, I'm pretty sure he needed a degree in mortuary science for that, but I don't, I digress. Um, We know he's a bit off, he's been a bit off kilter since his mother committed suicide and we also have some offhand comics that when he was a, uh, offhand comments that when he was a kid, I think his dad locked him up with the dead bodies when he misbehaved, Uh, (laughs) which is just a, a recipe. And then it turns out in this movie that the satanic cult was not the killer. It was Paul. Bill Paxton's Paul is wearing a robe and a white latex mask, which makes him look like the, if you ever see that YouTube video, the horribly slow murderer with the extremely inefficient weapon. If anyone remembers that from from ages ago. No. It's a 10 minute long movie trailer where a guy's getting beat by a demon with a spoon. It's funny. Um, (laughs) Okay. So... (laughs) Uh, so Paul's plan is to abduct Christy, who he's in love with, and embalm her alive so that she'll be his forever. It is revealed that he killed Christy's father because Paul was like, hey, mister, can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? And the dad was like, y'all aren't even going out. No. And I'm going <laughs> to send you to a psychiatric hospital because you cray. And Paul decides to instead, um, instead of accepting this trip to a psychiatric hospital, kills Christie's dad. Legit, the scene that saved this movie for me was a scene, the scene that made me go, I can work with this, is in the climax, when Paul, dressed in tux, is using his trocar to conduct Ina Klein by Mozart, which for those who don't know, that's the, um, <clears throat> dun, 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 
surrounded by the people he's killed sitting in chairs we're talking josh christie's mother and father even though the father was killed like two years ago i think his own father who he kills and his mom who he says he faked her suicide and he's dressed christy up in his mother's wedding dress while she's been unconscious and he plans to he dressed her up in a wedding dress even though his first step is his first plan is to embalm her alive then marry her (laughs) it's just it's ridiculous bill bill paxton and his batshit plans are by far the best part of mortuary this sounds amazing heads up i did not put that much detail into describing my film it's fine it's fine i went a little overboard just because i was watching it and i was legit mad watching this movie i'm like this movie sucks i can't use this and then of course my hero bill paxton like i said that scene he's conducting mozart and i'm like this is fantastic this is cinema (laughs) the rest of the movie is just kind of boring the satanic cult goes nowhere the main two don't do anything they they have a set of three side character friends who they don't have death scenes they only have like three minutes of screen time all in all, I think Paul deserves a better movie and a better cast of characters around him to stalk and kill. And I think he can find that in Dramatic Pause. <laughs> Final That's Exam example. from 1981, a movie that I actually think is a total blast. It's rated 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb and 13% approval on the old Rotten Tomatoes. Final Exam, which is directed by Jibby Houston, is about, um, how's this for an IMDb plot synopsis? A psycho killer shows up on college campus to slash up pretty co-eds and dumb jocks. Period. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to know. That's all you need. Final Exam is very differently assembled than Mortuary. Almost the opposite style build. Where Mortuary is kind of bare bones, boring set of characters where not a lot happens until shit hits the fan at the end. Final Exam has a very bare bones, no frills killer with fun characters and things happening before shit hits the fan. I'm not going to tell you these characters are the most rich and deep I've ever encountered, but they're fun and they're good enough for what their jobs are in the film. The protagonist is, I. why did I write Courtney? Courtney. The protagonist is Courtney, who is the bookish you spelled girl. spelled French. Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> she is the bookish girl trying really hard to study to pass all her exams. We also have G, um, nerdy genius Radish. Frat boy jock Wildman, frat boy mastermind Mark, the gorgeous girl having an affair with one of her professors, Lisa, and even frat boy, I mean, frat pledge Gary and his girlfriend Janet have a thing in the movie. They have little mini stories, mini arcs. This film is set up as the last few days of the college year, so campus is kind of empty, just a handful of kids taking their last exams, but with extreme hijinks, one of which stunned me because this could never fly in a film today. There's a scene where a van pulls up on campus and multiple masked men in masks Masked men in masks, Chris. That's how you wrote. <laughs> That's what you wrote, Chris. Masked men in masks. <sighs> you're you're nailing it. Multiple masked men get out with machine guns and shoot several students, retrieve their bodies, and pull bring them in the van and drive off. And this is all revealed to just be a fraternity prank orchestrated by their leader, Mark, so that he could cheat on his chemistry final. Okay, I feel like even for the 80s, that was extreme. That I think it was. But then, like, when the sheriff comes out, he's like, you dang kids. The coach is like, eh, whatever. It's just kids, you know. They're just kids being uh, terrorists. You exactly. Know. They're just pretending to shoot up their school. It's not the big deal. It's fine. This, this won't 
age poorly at all. Nope. But it is also used to great effect as to ex- to explain why the police don't show up for the final confrontation. Because if, you know, it's a boy who cried wolf thing. If you, if in the morning you say masked men with masks and machine guns shoot up your school, you're not going to come back when there's one dude with a knife apparently killing people. Like, no, I, I'm, you're not going to believe that. There's other frat shenanigans where one guy's tied to a tree and sprayed with a fire extinguisher because he gave his frat pin to his girlfriend. So tradition indicates that they have to tie him up and she has to save him. So I guess it's like the frat's way of being like, bro, if she's really the one, she'll save you from hypothermia. What? Yeah, it's weird. They cover him in like shaving cream and, th- and put ice down his underwear and tie him to a tree. It's like kind of horrifying. This is why frats are a bad idea. Just as a side note, they're only good for movie shenanigans. <laughs> and then there's a scene, you know, where Mark and Wildman try to break into the gym to get drugs. We also have Radish, who is the proto. Okay, rain- first off, these fucking names. Yes, this man's name Wild is Radish. Wildman, Radish, and Mark. Yes. Well, Wildman is like, I think that's his nickname, but he's just like, he is the absolute definition of dumb jock and Radish. I don't know why he's named Radish. I, I don't know if that's his nickname. Don't know if it's his name. Don't care. It's funny. But he's like the proto Randy from Scream, but he's not up mm. on horror movies. He's up on true crime and like psycho killers. Courtney's a little bland, but and spends most of her movie just chatting or studying. But I think there's enough colorful characters around her to, that spice up the movie. And when push comes to shove, she shows some real Final Girl moxie, which is always good. But then we come to the one thing I'm kind of down on about Final Exam, which is the killer. He is a total blank slate. No mask, no intricate weapon, no dialogue, no story. He just is. And if you're a final exam purist out there, and you're going to tell me, that's the whole point, Chris. They discussed multiple times senseless, pure evil violence about psychos who just who kill just because. And this killer is exactly what the movie sets him up to be. I think that's totally fair. But I prefer my killers with a little bit of sizzle. Blank slate violence is just because. It's kind of boring to me. That's just my personal preference on my end. I want my killers to have a gimmick of some kind. Even the guy from Slumber, Slumber Party Massacre had a few lines of dialogue that told us what his deal was. And his weapon was a big fucking power drill. You need, that's, I think that's the bar for horror slashers. You gotta have some kind of gimmick. And that's where Bill Paxton's Paul comes in. I think his character could slot nicely in and actually would stand out less in this cast of characters than in Mortuary. Go on. I'm tempted to say combine Paul and Radish because they're both nerdy guys with crushes on the protagonist girl. But I think Radish can stand on his own in the film because he's a fun character with some surprisingly like cool, badass moments in this film. But all you have to do, I think, is add Paul as a student at this school. And this way, we could even say he's going for a degree in mortuary science. So that makes more sense. <laughs> Already, I have fixed a massive problem with mortuary. <laughs> He's not already a practicing grounding mortician. this in reality. Yeah. He's not already a practicing mortician at like 19. He's studying to be one. He can still be a dorky outcast who wants to invite Courtney over to listen to Mozart, but she can't because she needs to study. And you can even still have the other characters be like, geez, Paul's weird. I've been like that all semester ever since his mom committed suicide. And you can include him on several of the frat scenes by just changing the mass shooting prank slightly, saying they were able to pull it off due to makeup and blood effects that he made or smuggled out bags of blood from the mortuary department on campus. So but let me get this straight. Yep. You're keeping the mass shooting prank in. I mean, you know. You took everything in these movies and elected that, yes, this has to stay. I mean... I feel like it's like just audacious enough, like for an 80s movie, I think it's just audacious enough because I like how it eliminates the police. It's But d- does your movie take place in the 80s? 
I or is it think present it day? Does I think it does? Are we? It could very easily be like with Paul in this movie. The prank is no longer masked gunmen, but like you know zombies, and he did zombie makeup on them using makeup from the mortuary department. Very, you could easily do something like that. I think it could be very malleable in that way, where him there just makes the movie make more sense. As for his motivations, it actually also becomes clearer in this pitch. In Mortuary, the question of why Paul is doing all of this right now is never stated. But we can make that clear in this combined film. In this version of events, he has a crush on Courtney, but she doesn't see him that way, and she's kind of got a thing with Radish simmering on the back burner. All you have to do is add a line or two about how after this year, Courtney's going to be transferring to another college. She's only told her closest friends this, so Paul thinks, if I don't make her mine before she leaves tomorrow, I'll never see her again. As for what Paul would kill the others, I don't know, they're the the only ones who know she's transferring, so they're going to notice if she goes completely ghost, doesn't respond to their letters, or however college kids, whatever they did in the 80s to stay in touch with each other. They had had telephones back then, you know. Wouldn't it make more sense, though, to keep up the lie that she transferred? It could work, too, but I just, I need him to have a reason to kill the other kids. And (laughs) so in Paul's mind, for him to have Courtney all to himself, the others got to go, too. I would like to keep most of the death scenes intact because they're all pretty fun. Just replace boring blank slate killer with a dude in a robe with a white latex mask and a trocar. Every knife kill is now a troker kill scene. Uh, It is a weird weapon. I wonder who it could be. The one kid studying mortuary science. That could be it. Maybe the prank is like people, you know, stabbing them with those weapons. And so they all had access to the trocar. So which one of them is the trocar using the trocar? What if they're all mortuary science students? That could be it, too. It seems like a thing for Mark seems very like weird like that. He would be into that. It is a really weird weapon, too, because like the one that Paxton uses in the movie has like a two inch rubber hose at the other end. So it like how do you spell that? I don't know what it looks like. T-R-O-C-A-R. It doesn't look like a good weapon, let me just say. That's not nearly as menacing as I thought it was going to be. No. Um, It looks like a turkey baster, but metal. Uh, The one he uses is like a yard long. Let me see if I can find. Yeah, if you're... uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, Nicole, you're on the image tab. Yeah. Second row, the one from (laughs) slaughtersupply.com. All right, hold on a second. That's the one that looks like the one... Oh, Oh, yeah. with the stock image watermarked salt slaughter supply. slaughter supply. Yep, that's the one that he used basically. <laughs> yep, but oh, it did. That ha- is not cheap. No, that's one hundred fifty dollars. That's some money. Yeah. But it was funny. Is like whenever he stabbed someone, blood would come out the other end. But it had like a little rubber hose at the other end, so it was like whenever he was running with it, it was just flopping in the wind. It looked really funny. But again, it's a gimmick, and I like the gimmick. And especially keep the wild man death scene because I don't know how the killer managed this, but when he killed, he was like messing with the lights in the basketball court, and he managed to make the scoreboard pop up with a score of guest one home zero after he killed wild man, and that's just fun and dumb, and I just <laughs> love that. <laughs> Oh, man. We still have the final girl killer chase scene, but have it end with Courtney running into like a campus chapel or something. See all her dead friends seated in the pews. She screams, killer from behind, gasses her. And then we cut to Paul's Mozart conducting in the wedding scene. And then the finale from Final Exam could work very similarly in this pitch. The coach who was coming back to uh, campus to pick up the security guard to go hunting. So he's got a bow and arrow. He hears Courtney screaming 
he runs into the cha- uh, to the chapel, shoots an arrow at Paul. Paul catches it and stabs the coach with his own arrow. That gives the opening Courtney needs to to run Paul through with his own troker, leaving him to bleed out on the altar. No longer the site of a wedding, but of a funeral. And Finn. Dun. And that's my pitch. Okay, Basically, right. it's my long-winded pitch. It basically means put Paxton as the killer from final exam. That's all. Has I got. potential. I could see potential there. All right. All right. I went overboard. I'm going to tell you that right now. All right. <laughs> um, first off, I told you that I wanted to read you my list of rejected ideas. So I'm going to do that first. So at first I was looking at the film, The Black Cat, which is a Boris Karloff, Bella Lugosi film that also has a weird Satanist cult aspect, but it was rated too high on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes to make it work. All I, I mean, all I know about that movie is I've seen the pictures of them casting the black cat and seeing them all being like, hmm, like Vincent Price and Karloff being like, hmm, looking at all the cats and stuff. It's funny. It is. First off, it has nothing to do with cats. No. It, there's like one cat and there's a scene where Bella Lugosi is like, got a phobia of cats. So he just like, like throws a knife <laughs> at the cat and kills it. That's it. That's the whole oh, scene with the cat. That's um, so sad. Yeah. Which is why I was like, this is so ridiculous, but it was rated too high. Yeah. So my other possibilities were the happening meets devil. Ooh, okay. Okay. Devil meets Wes Craven's Dracula 2000. <sighs> Oh, that makes me sad. Oh, Dracula 2000. <laughs> I got real close to being like, it's the plot of Devil, but they're just characters from Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next one was The Fog meets Ghost Ship. I actually really like The Fog. Are you talking about the 80s one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, the Fog's, it's not the best, but it is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, my other was When a Stranger Calls mm-hmm. meets Secret Window. Uh, which When a Stranger Calls? Uh, the new one. The new one? I like the new one. Yeah. It, was, it was fine. And then the one where I just simply refused to put myself through watching it. So in my notes, it just says, Chud? With a bunch of <laughs> question marks. Yes. <laughs> but I did not go with Chud. Okay. What I went with, and... I had you guess yesterday. Yep. I said that I went with two late 90s uh, haunted houses mm-hmm. and you guessed 13 Ghosts and The Haunting, which is the remake of The Haunting of Hill House. Yep. And you were wrong. I went with 13 Ghosts meets House on Haunted Hill. <sighs> That's what I was thinking. I was, oh my God. <laughs> so close. It is the 2001 remake of 13 Ghosts meets the 1999 House on Haunted Hill. Fun fact. Both of these films are remakes that were made 40 years after their original. So there is the original 1959 House on Haunted Hill, which is a classic Vincent Price film. And I love it to pieces. And the 1999 version is a bastardized (laughs) garbage remake starring Vincent Price, not Vincent Price, excuse me, Jeffrey Rush as knockoff Vincent Price as evil Walt Disney. Mm -hmm. It is rated 31% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5.6 on IMDb. And the plot summary. So the plot summary is a millionaire with theatrical tendencies, Stephen Price, invites a number of people to stay in a vast, creepy building that used to be an insane asylum. Uh, Stephen, accompanied by his bitter wife, Evelyn, offers a million dollars to anyone who can stay the whole night without leaving out of fear. 
Uh, when Stephen and Evelyn become trapped with their guests, they quickly realize that the house is really haunted and the spirits dwelling within are very angry. Basically, this shit remake features, uh, you know, evil Walt Disney hosting his wife's birthday in what was an old insane asylum. And none of the people who they actually invited show up. It's like a weird mishap with the invites they both blame each other for. It starts out as a fake haunting with both Mr. and Mrs. Evil Walt Disney uh, literally faking each other's deaths. And then it turns into a real haunting where those two characters actually kill each other. (laughs) It turns out the reason why the guest list didn't match is because the ghosts in the insane asylum rigged the guest list to invite the descendants of all the doctors from the insane asylum to be the guests at the party. The only two people who survived was a guy who was adopted, played by Tay Diggs, and uh, a woman who was pretending to be her boss who got the actual invite. And I... I was going to say, I love that the ghosts abide by technicalities. I think that's just that's just fun. Yeah. Oh, Allie Larder. Uh, mm. Allie Larder, I believe, plays our our other girl. So that is um yeah, that is the 1999 House on Haunted Hill. Thirteen Ghosts, the 2001 remake starring Tony Shalhoub, has also a 5.6 on IMDb, a whopping 17 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Breaking the bank. And our plot synopsis is a. State of the art remake of classic William Castle horror film about a family that inherits a spectacular old house from an eccentric uncle. There's just one problem. The house seems to have a dangerous agenda all of its own. Mm. Trapped in their new home by strangely shifting walls, the family encounters powerful and vengeful entities that threaten to annihilate anyone in their path. This this one's kind of fun to watch. I will say the behind the scenes stuff went way more into it and more detail than what's actually on the film, which I think is a huge missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Basically, this film is about a family that's grieving uh, the loss of their mom. And they find out that uh, a rich deceased uncle has gifted them a house. It turns out the uncle was a evil ghost hunter who trapped and collected 12 very specific ghosts within the house in order to use their spirits to power a satanic machine that within the house that will tell the future. <laughs> That's it. That's all it does. Yep. It tells you the future. <laughs> and all its nebulous uh, detail. <laughs> So the ghosts get gradually released from their like high tech ghost prisons, cause terror, kill a shitload of people. Um, and it's eventually revealed that this was all a trap. The uncle faked his own death to get his nephew there to convince his nephew to sacrifice himself to become the 13th ghost needed to power machine that will tell the future. Zoltar. I'll call the machine Zoltar. Zoltar. Um, and that doesn't happen. I think Matthew Lillard, like fucking Shaggy, ends yeah. up dying instead and then offers sage wisdom from beyond the grave and they defeat the bad guy because the ghosts are like, motherfucker, we know you trapped us here. We're taking you instead. And they just, they are, they're set free. So <laughs> I've combined these films to make something different and wholly unoriginal. You are going to love this. Okay. It is one of the dumbest ideas I've ever had. 
does not deserve to be produced as is. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. All right, let's hear it. Um, I do want to say before you dig in, I do love that my pitches included national treasure Bill Paxton and your pitches include national treasure Ma- Matthew Lillard. Love that man. Can do no uh, wrong. And Tony Shalhoub. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So you know how I said that both of these movies are about haunted houses. <laughs> this movie does not take place in a haunted house. In the opening of the 1999 remake, House on Haunted Hill. Uh, because it is Universal IP, mm-hmm. it is shot at Universal Studios um, <laughs> in the theme park. Uh, and the whole like cold open is like we're at a scary theme park where we fake that your roller coaster is going off the rails to get a scare out of you. So I want you to remember that okay. as I go through the rest of this pitch. Because the basic plots are going to stay the same. I'm pretty much um, weaving two plots together to make them one. But now we're in a theme park. So evil Walt Disney hosts a birthday party for Mrs. Evil Walt Disney in their new theme park. So it's doubling, though, as like a soft reopening of a failed theme park now under new ownership. And um, wouldn't you know it, the failed theme park has like a tragic backstory of like workers dying while it was being built or patrons going missing or other patrons dying and horrible accidents. You know, classic family fun times. So like as a promo for the park, because uh, no one wants to go there. It's a death trap. They don't believe it's been renovated. Re- renovated properly evil walt disney is kind of gifted away passes that could come during his wife's birthday party and each person invited is promised a fuck ton of money for enjoying the park staying all night and posting a positive review and you know not leaving out of fear mrs walt disney is clearly pissed about this because these are not the people she wanted at her birthday party who they are is a single dad and his young son i'm gonna call them tony and charlie And then we have who I'm going to call Nora, an early 20-year-old psychic posing as a park employee. We have a roller coaster critic and adrenaline junkie. We have a social media influencer who does that Disney-bound style costume bullshit. Of course, we have a blood-sucking lawyer, Peter. Uh, And we have evil Walt Disney and Mrs. Evil Walt Disney. You know, it's like 2021. So, you know, the roller coaster critic, adrenaline junkie and the influencer, like, I bet your first thought was like, oh, what the first one's male, second one's female. Fuck it. We'll, we'll swap genders. We'll make one of them like a gender. Who gives a shit? They're yeah. cannon fodder, you know? Yeah, who cares? So as I was saying, Mrs. Evil Walt Disney, she pissed because these are not the people she wanted at her birthday party. And it's a huge mystery how they wound up here because like not even Evil Walt Disney knows. But as a party trick, everybody gets allegedly cursed pair of 3D glasses as <laughs> 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 your party. That were said to have been left over from the original theme park when <laughs> the 3D show burned down. Can I just say really quick for the for the audience? A few weeks ago, uh, Nicole and I we, we're part of a writing club together, and Nicole put together a prompt thing so that we could. She sent us all about a bunch of questions so that we could write our own horror stories together. One of the things I included in one of my prompt answers was a haunted pair of 3D glasses. <laughs> So I'm really happy with how this pitch is turning out already. <laughs> I actually forgot that was you. <laughs> oh my God. That was some good stuff. Uh, all right. So 
at first the tricks seem like pretty normal normal theme park shit some fake gore some jump scares and then mrs evil walt disney appears to die by the hand of her husband from a distance we see her and her presumed husband push her in front of a roller coaster car (laughs) naturally all the guests are scared i want to get the hell out except for the adrenaline junkie they go fuck it i'm on on some reds so they leave the group first mistake so naturally when he's confronted you know evil walt disney defends himself uh despite the blood-sucking lawyer kind of leading the the hunt against him and it's only the psychic who believes him she reveals she's not a park employee she's actually a psychic and the ghosts did it she's also how i will include the tragic lore that it turns out (laughs) back in the day seven people were sacrificed in a cult ritual in this theme park point to a park map it turns out this park is shaped like a pentagram When we kill a total of uh, 13 people and get the 13 ghosts, it will open a portal to hell in the theme park for some nefarious cultish reason. Who cares? cares? Something better than it can tell the future. And naturally, she's made fun of. But, uh, you know, evil Walt Disney is like, oh, no, gang, uh, stop. she's not dead. You know, it's just a party trick. You have to stay all night. You don't get any money if you leave. So they're like, all right, this is weird, but I guess we'll stay. Meanwhile, we're going to cut to our adrenaline junkie dying horrifically in a roller coaster gone wrong accident, which will be caused... By the ghost of a maintenance worker (laughs) who was killed years prior trying to fix the tracks. Our small child will see this happen with his cursed pair of 3D glasses. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we're going to have a scene with the reveal that Mrs. Evil Walt Disney isn't dead. She's actually been having an affair with the blood-sucking lawyer this whole time and faked her death. But plans to, you know, come back from the abyss later, which is like, oh, I have a concussion. Oh, traumatic brain injury. Oh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> However, her husband will tragically commit suicide after feeling guilty for believing he killed her. At which point she, whatchamacallit, attempts to kill her husband in an oddly rigged, like, noose on a free fall ride. <laughs> but whatchamacallit. So, so she kills him. She's like reunites with the the blood sucking lawyer they're gonna go like break to go finish their plan whatever and then the moment she's alone again bam she's killed by a creepy costumed character that is also a ghost the mascot the old mascot of the park still roams the ghost we cut back to our remaining heroes where we'll have another lore dump as they're trying to find their way out so far the ghosts that we have because One of the things in 13 Ghosts that was cool but never actually made it onto film Mm -hmm. was that every single one of the 13 ghosts had a backstory. They were all were very specific ghosts. They had names. You found out exactly how they died. And that's never in the fucking movie. (laughs) So we'll have it here. And our ghosts with their stupid names, just like in 13 Ghosts, are uh, the lost and found, a child and mother that were separated. The child never found to this day. The mom killed herself by hanging on the free fall ride. It's the highest point in the park. And she tried to get up there to see where her (laughs) child is. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just love the idea of just looking down at people like ant-sized people. Is that my son? Is that him? <laughs> then we have the cursed creature, which is a costume character who once died from overheating in the costume and died on a bench. And tourists continue to take photos with him in the <laughs> giant costume after he was dead. Oh, I love that. <clears throat> the devoted servant is our maintenance worker who was killed trying to fix the roller coaster then we have a cheater who was a douchebag who cheated at all the carnival games <laughs> and was killed by rowdy employees with balloon darts <laughs> <laughs> then we have the the poisoned poet an amusement park critic that was killed with poisoned food because they were gonna give the park a bad review <laughs> The official story is that they choked on a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> Their ghost appears covered in sticky cotton candy. <laughs> and of course, as our characters die, they join these ghosts as well. So, you know, we'll have ghost Mrs. Evil Walt Disney. We'll find her like also posed like on the bench where like the character was. That's how we'll find her body. The Adrenaline Junkie is also going to appear as a ghost, probably now missing several limbs thanks to that <laughs> roller coaster accident. <clears throat> and it's, it's you know, our psychic that believes they've they've been called there to finish filling out the needed uh, 13 ghosts who are being killed off to open this portal to hell. So the lawyer finds Mrs. Evil Walt Disney's, you know, mm -hmm. posed body, but then is also killed by a mysterious shadowy figure. And then uh, our remaining heroes, Charlie, you know, this little kid just wants to play some carnival games. So he goes to play the water gun game, but it turns out the balloon, you know how you're like, you shoot the water gun into the balloon yep. and you fill up the balloon and whoever pops the first wins, right? Well, the balloon has been replaced with the lawyer's head and you have nice. to shoot the water into his mouth. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then Charlie disappears being lassoed by a rope of like winning tickets. <laughs> um, this is where I haven't completely thought out anything else yet. But uh, of course, you know, as the night progresses, our remaining characters are going to get attacked by various ghosts in, in theme parky ways. I'm not like married to the order of events, you know, you yeah, know. Yeah. But, but eventually a uh, single dad has got to find his missing son. Spoiler, the ghosts aren't entirely malevolent. So like the motherly ghost of the lost child is going to help him find his kid. Nice. Uh, and it turns out the ghosts were like keeping the little kids safe because they're like, we were all fucking murdered. Like this is <laughs> like we're pissed at being murdered. We're not here for the kid. Yeah. And evil Walt Disney is like totes a fucking maniac who also faked his own death <laughs> when his wife apparently killed him. He was in the character costume. That part was not a ghost. The mm. creepy character that killed Mrs. Walt Disney and her lawyer boyfriend was actually him the whole time. And then it's true. The ghosts were sacrifices made to open a gate to hell. And evil Walt Disney is part of the original, you know, group of, uh, of park employees that were in on it. He was lower level at the time it originally happened. Mm -hmm. But he saw this shit and he was like, this is dope. I want this. So when the initial plan got shut down because of all of these mysterious deaths, he's like, I'm going to try it again. I don't know. Something about a cult. Yeah. But then we reveal... That uh, the people who were invited on the guest list, because a mix-up, right? Are the relatives of the original investors who were part of the cult. <laughs> and 
A single dad naturally makes some kind of sacrifice where he dies to save his kid, and they successfully open the portal to hell. However, the ghosts, primarily led by Mrs. Evil Walt Disney, Mm -hmm. actually grab Evil Walt Disney and just throw him into the portal to hell and, like, close the portal again because karma. Yeah. And the only survivors are the psychic posing as a worker and the young kid because he's adopted. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> that is a that's that's my pitch. I primarily wanted a haunted amusement park with ghosts trapped in attractions, and uh, I have other death ideas on the table. By okay. the way, we've got a <clears throat> somebody like House of Wax style becomes an animatronic on a ride. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned somebody choked to death on an overpriced hot dog. Yep. Somebody rounds in like the log flume ride. Mm-hmm. The teacups go awry. They either fill with actual boiling tea or they like Gravitron style spin so hard it kills you. <laughs> and then trampled by carousel horses. Yes. See, Nicole, you said this should never see the light of day. I want it tomorrow. I want this movie tomorrow. <laughs> the, f- the fuck are you talking about? I want this movie now. <laughs> God damn it. That was awesome. <laughs> you that's my movie i took a lot of creative liberties with setting and actual like deaths and things but what i decided to keep were the two main overly convoluted plots so i can combine them together and create something even more convoluted dude i love it we both took very different directions i was like these two movies i have if i just remove one part and replace it with a part from this movie better movie you were like i just like a couple set pieces put those together and then put in a lot of cool original stuff so we can make it even better than because i think 13 ghosts is a lot of fun like matthew lillard can do no wrong 13 ghosts is fun it's fun good but it's yeah, fun. but like the ghost designs, they all look super rad. And like you said, they deserve to get their backstory told because they were really cool in that movie. Yes, that is a, that's the thing in that movie that I'm like, this deserved to be in the movie. Yeah. Like the ghosts deserved more screen time in 13 ghosts. Yes. They don't. They like I went and rewatched it and I was like, the ghosts don't do much no. in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's. That's why I picked 13 Ghosts. Yep. And then I I adore the original House on Haunted Hill. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorites. And when I saw this remake, I was angry yeah. <laughs> and disappointed. But, it, you know, it had some moments. We had evil Walt Disney and the dumbest insane asylum subplot that was not in the first movie. That's <laughs> not part of the first movie at all. <laughs> Like that has nothing to do with it. Nope. <laughs> I was like, where did this come from? It's just a house. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like... <laughs> the original. Like, I, I love the original. Don't get me wrong. I think it's amazing. But the original kind of only makes sense knowing the ending where they're going to try and do some sh- some shenanigans against each other. Because really, they're just like, this house is really haunted. Here, take these guns. They'll protect you. It's like. <laughs> guns why for the haunted house why, why would we need the guns though yeah the original the whole plot of that movie is just vincent price and his wife trying to like literally see like 
who can like out prank fake their own death the best then there's a skeleton on roller skates and then an acid pit <laughs> yeah yeah they're just being sassy to each other the whole time and it's great yeah i love that movie it's it's so good so yeah dude that was the fantastic end. thank you <laughs> oh, man so as a fun little wrap up to our game we're each going to come up with a title for each other's pitches just because i don't know it's fun so <laughs> Nicole, what is your title for my mortuary final exam film? Chris, this is hard. I'm <laughs> I'm bad at titles and like mm. uh, I I don't know. Like I like transfer student or like yeah. like like it's it's hard because the title final exam still final works exam. for this. It movie. does. It could still be called final exam. <laughs> it could still just be called final exam. Okay, here we go. What about hags? Hags. <laughs> Have a good summer. Have a good summer. <laughs> sure, I'm down with that. <laughs> that, was, that was trash. That was trash. Don't humor me. I know. It's like, I, like I said, I love to do titles, but like titles are hard. It's the whole thing. You got me on that. I was um, like, this is this could. If if I had to make a decision, mm-hmm. I would say you just keep it final exam. Okay, that's fine by me. Like I said, final exam still works. Still works. Yeah. Because it is still, it's their final exam of their lives. Exactly. For mortuary school. Mm. Final exam of their lives for mortuary school. The title of this film. (laughs) (laughs) So I came up with one, Nicole, for your film while you were talking. I would call your film Pentagram Park 3D. (laughs) (laughs) The 3D? Yes. Because the haunted 3D right, this glasses. This has to be shot in 3D. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I was thinking when you were like, you you could see the ghost with the 3D glasses. I was like, how much of an asshole move would it be to make a movie where you could only see the ghosts wearing the glasses? The 3D glasses. If you took well, them off, like, you'd just be like, what happened to them? I couldn't see it. And I'm like, you wear the 3D glasses and like, so the ghosts are 3D. Yeah. Yeah. So Pentagram Park 3D is what I would call 3D. your pitch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You ever see found footage 3D? Oh, I love that movie. Me it's too. So good. <laughs> it was such a pleasant surprise. It was. That I saw that movie at that festival when I visited you a few years ago. Oh. That was one of the films that was there. Okay. The two that I remember, I remember seeing three movies there. I remember seeing Found Footage 3D, which some of the actors were actually there at the premiere. And I saw Better Watch Out, the Christmas movie. I think you don't okay. like that movie. I don't know if I've seen that one. It's, uh, which one is that? It's the kid who's being babysat, and there's an oh, intruder. I, yeah. yeah, I don't like that one. And there was another movie called 68 Kill, which was kind of whatever. But like I said, half the, the cast of Found Footage 3D were at the premiere, and I just thought that movie was great. My favorite is when they tried to record them and be like, hey, tell us some things about the haunted place we're going to. And they're like, yeah, place is scary. And then after they're done, they're like, hey, so we're going to record down there. And they actually are like, you don't want to go down there. That place is haunted. <laughs> <laughs> it was so that good. Was, that, that was the best joke it's in so the film. <laughs> oh shit! What a film! Uh, yeah, I love to yeah. when the uh, director's like, "How do we make a 3D found footage movie?" He's like, "I don't know. Put two GoPros next to each other, left eye, right eye." And then he puts it up and he goes, "God damn it, this could work." <laughs> I I also think that movie had one of the best. 
they why you wouldn't just put the camera down yep. found footage reasons. Absolutely. And it and it was just that two characters get separated and they're just still mic'd up. So yeah. like that's why they have the car- cameras. And I was like, genius. Yeah. And also you can't see the ghost without the the camera too. It's just it's work. It's perfect. Yeah. Why did the parody get it right and no one else does? <laughs> it's so parodies annoying. often That's do. true. Parodies yeah. are clever like that. Parodies are great. So what did you guys think? Do you prefer the revamped final exam or do you prefer Pentagram Park 3D? Let us know down in the comments section. No, I'm joking. Uh, Make sure you smash that like smash button. Smash the like button. Uh, <laughs> but for real, I'm going to be posting. I'm going to try to post some polls on social media, on Professional Horror, at Instagram, and at Twitter at the underscore Don underscore 17. So go there if you want to vote on which film you like you prefer. We'd really appreciate it. See what you guys thought. Or you can just email me at professionalhorror at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. What would you? What movies would you combine to make your Frankenstein's monster of a pitch? Let me know. And be sure to follow, subscribe, rate, review, whatever the hell else on all the podcast servers. Just all of them apple spotify amazon google i'm sure and not just to this podcast to nicole's podcast the kinky ladies book club because it's a super fun time i know there's not a lot of crossover if you're like i'm listening to this because i like horror stuff you it's it might be weird to be like now listen to this erotic fiction podcast but it's a great time and nicole her and her crew are a top-notch podcast you guys should listen to it thank you so much chris this has been a lot of fun this was a blast yeah i would happily come back anytime and we will have you on the kinky ladies book club at some point check us out we are four women one podcast and a hard stack of romance novels and yeah be sure to follow them on all their socials and all that stuff because they they're posting some fun stuff sometimes i should probably tell you what our social media is probably should (laughs) kinky ladies book club on facebook kinky ladies podcast on instagram and on twitter we are kinky ladies pod you can also email us at kinky ladies podcast at gmail.com we are always accepting book suggestions send us your favorite erotica fan fiction smut we read it all bitch <laughs> and if you follow their social no dick pics though no, no dick, dick pics, pics. No dick pics. Yeah, no dick you pics. might even see a post that i sent nicole because whenever i see something weirdly dirty on social media i'm like nicole must see this at once and send it to her <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> But thank you once again, Nicole, for be- for doing this episode. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll be back to talk about more movies soon. Do more uh, games, more lists, more everything. It's uh, the 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 grind doesn't end, does it? Never, never. And hopefully, the grind doesn't end for you either. That's a transition for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks nope. for listening. You guys are the best. Get ground. Yeah, don't don't get murdered. No, that's a different show. Um, Until next time, stay scary, but keep it professional.